Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. So you were talking about Bruno the Bear. Yeah, you didn't hear about this? It was like the the story of the summer. I can't believe you didn't hear about Bruno the Bear. His venture for love across the U.S. He went from Wisconsin to Missouri looking for a mate and the great people in, uh, I don't know what you call them, the conservation of Missouri ended up tranquilizing him and taking him back to Wisconsin this summer. He had his own Facebook page and... All kinds of stuff. He literally trekked 400 miles in search for a mate across the United States this summer. Fun times. Hey, Travis, are you on the line with us? I am, Sean. Are you hearing this about uh, this bear traveling across the country looking for love in all the wrong places? (laughs) Yeah, and it sounds like the only love he found was uh, back to where he was born. I know, poor guy. They took him (laughs) right back home. That's that's why some of those guys never leave their hometown after high school. It's like, there's nothing better out there. They're just going to tranquilize me and take me home anyway. I'll see you guys in 30 years. (laughs) You'll all come back. Uh, Hopefully he made it back for his class reunion. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We appreciate you joining us today on the uh, on the show, on the Sail Ring Podcast. We've got Travis Homley, Portage, Wisconsin. Travis is the owner and broker of United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. He's also the founder of United Country Hunting Properties, and we're going to have a little hunting show today. We're going to talk about hunting and recreation. And, uh, you know, Drina, bringing up that uh, story of the the bear that uh, ran away from home from Wisconsin, couldn't find his place in Missouri and got shipped back. It's uh, tomorrow is the opening day of the black bear season here in Wisconsin. And it's it's every year it's different on who is able to go first. They flip flop every year between the stand bait hunters and the dog hunters. So this year, the stand bait hunters get a week to try to get a bear before the hunters with dogs kick in. And then next year, it would flip back and forth. So I'm actually heading up there later this afternoon. Oh, wow. Uh, my father has uh, drawn a tag, and one of our own, Christine Schutte, and her husband, Nick, from uh, Missouri, are going to be meeting us up there at our bear camp, and they're going to be in camp for the week. And uh, so we have three bear tags in camp, and hopefully uh, we're successful with all three this week. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that is a timely conversation there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you said that you guys were drawn for the tag. Is that is it a lottery system up there? Yeah, so you get preference points, and there's different uh, zones in Wisconsin that require a minimum of preference points. The quota is, you know, they don't get as many applications. It doesn't take as long to wait. You could get in with three or four years. Up by our bear camp, it takes six to basically nine years to draw a tag for this specific zone. 
And uh, so it's kind of exciting once you get drawn because you got to wait a long time again. It's uh, last time I got mine was 2016 and I harvested a 350 pound bear, but I waited 10 years to draw a tag. So waiting the 10 years to draw a tag, I could have drawn the year prior, but it was the dog hunting went first. So I had to wait, um, you know, an extra year to get in there and, uh, you know, everything worked out great. I hunted for two days, harvested, you know, a 350 pound bear and, uh, we had just a great time. My brother was up there. We, he harvested a bear also. So we had, you know, we were a hundred percent on that trip and hopefully we can do the same this week while we're up there. It sounds like you're having a great time. Yeah. It, I didn't realize that it takes that many years to get drawn for a bear tag. Uh, apparently, there's not very many tags or a lot of people applying for them. A little bit of both. So it's uh, and next year, they're changing the zones around in Wisconsin. So we'll have to relearn everything all over again. It's also home to elk up there where they were brought in. And a couple of years ago, this is the second season that uh, they're allowing elk hunting up there. There's 10 tags. Uh, one goes to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, four go to a lottery, and then five go to the Native Americans for the reservation up there. So only 10 elk will be hunted at all up there? Is that yep. what that means? Yep. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because they're just bringing them back in and trying to repopulate. Correct. They're reintroducing them yeah. to the, and that was in the 90s, they reintroduced them into the Clam Lake area, and they've just kind of flourished throughout that area. There's some good bulls up there. The Sail Ring, online at www.thesailring.com. What does the bear population, I know we're switching back to bear now, what mm-hmm. does the bear population look like in Wisconsin? It's been good the last few years. What we're seeing is a good population in the area that we're hunting this year. Um, you know, it, it came, they came a little late. This cooler weather's kind of kicked them in. It's supposed to be 32 degrees there tonight. Yeah. So the last couple of days, they've been kind of up on their feet, you know, feeding a lot more, hitting the baits a lot more often. Uh, this summer with the heat and everything, they just were a little just, not as, I guess, seen as much as normal with the really extreme hot weather that we had up here. So, Travis, take me, I'm from Kansas City, born mm-hmm. and bred. I don't do hunting. I don't do farming. I wasn't a raised around that stuff. I'm, I'm a city girl. City girl. Spoiled. What is, yep, basically, I'm a mall girl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does bear hunting actually look like? Like, how does this actually work? How do you go on a bear hunt and what does a bear camp actually mean? I'm, I'm just imagining like a cabin in the woods and a bunch of people yep. walking around in the woods looking for bears. She's used to going to build a bear workshop. Exactly. That's how right, I right. You don't have to <laughs> wait in line for your bear to get stuffed if that's what you're thinking, Trina. Gotcha. It, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> you do have to wait, though. It's a lot like deer hunting here in Wisconsin and uh, the Midwest. It's not like elk hunting where you're out stalking and trying to locate them. A lot of it's done on stand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people do it in ground blinds that are a little, I guess, more got a little less fear in them, a bear charging or whatever. Um, 
but a lot of them hunt out of stands, hang on, or ladder stands over a bait station that has been baited throughout the summer. Like deer, deer we cannot bait here in Wisconsin, but you wait on specific runs, you wait on specific uh, feeding areas, bedding areas. It's just patience, just like any other hunting. You don't spot and stalk or anything like that. When you're running with dogs, you basically, the dogs tree them, corner them, and uh, they got radio collars, and the hunters are following the dogs throughout the bear season when the dogs are allowed to start Hmm. in on the hunting so it's uh you know some people don't like it it's it's kind of like almost like coon hunting is what in fox hunting what they do with the, the dogs and bears up here but what i prefer and what our camp does is all sit uh sit over bait and sit over bait and wait i've seen some great videos of bear hunters that are in tree stands and apparently cubs or half-grown bears get extremely curious Mm-hmm. Where they climb up the tree and practically sit in the stand, you know, just sniffing around and and pawing at the bags. And there's several videos out there where bears, oh, yeah. you know, climb up a tree and they either don't realize that there's a hunter in that tree or they do realize it. And they're just curious what's going on up there. Yeah, it's and you never want to get between a cub and it's mom. It's yeah. Mom. yeah, that usually doesn't end well for the person in between. Um, whether they're scared out of their mind or have a little encounter with the bear that they weren't expecting. I think you mentioned this earlier in the show, but when, when is bear season? I believe it's getting ready to start. What's the starts, starts tomorrow, uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, runs a week. Then you can still bait, you know, hunt over bait, but then the dog, Hunters kick in, and uh, it goes on for a while after that. How does that play with deer season as far as timing up there? What's So when is deer season start? The archery whitetail season opens this Saturday here in Wisconsin. So kind of coincides with each other every year. So it's if you draw a bear tag or you go bear hunting, usually you end up missing the opening week in a bow season. Are you a bow hunter? Yep. Yeah, we'll be, uh, if I get back in time, if uh, everybody tags out, I'll slip into a stand. Uh, We were working on all the final preps of uh, our properties this weekend and uh, put up a couple new sets because, you know, things are changing in the deer's world uh, right now. And uh, they're starting to break off from each other. The bucks are starting to break off from their bachelor groups. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about that, Travis. It kind of explain the dynamics behind why bucks, you know, do that, why they peel off on their own, and and uh, you know, yeah, throughout the summer, you know, when they're they're bachelor, they're, they're in their bachelor groups, they're in their velvet stage of life, and just kind of they they don't feel pressured when they're in the velvet stages, and they're just kind of growing antler, getting the nutritions to continue to grow the antler to get ready for, you know, the, the breeding season, which ends up, you know, ends up uh, happening towards the end of uh, October, but also the, during the summer, they're also building up to get ready for 
claiming their ground, their areas of where they're going to call home, where they're going to dominate their area and be the the buck that is the king of the hill per se in that area. And then this really starts happening, the, the territorial, the scrapes, the kind of sparring when they when they start rubbing off and their velvet starts falling off of their antlers because an antler is not a horn. A antler is is a growing, it's kind of like a fingernail, if you want to say that. It, it grows, but then once the velvet comes off, they stop growing. Huh. I don't uh, really realize that. Every year the deer sheds those antlers and then regrows another set uh, in the spring and summer of the following year. But they get very territorial once this starts coming off, uh, the velvet starts coming off, they start breaking up into, you know, away from their uh, bachelor groups. And this is when we start seeing a lot of scrapes and rubs. And now it's time to start patterning these things on their fall patterns away from their summer patterns. Um, in, in the first weekend here in Wisconsin, there'll be a lot of deer still on their summer patterns. So you can uh, set up on the edge of fields and, uh, you know, still catch them in their summer patterns, but some of them have kind of broke off uh, or starting to break off. And you'll see them here and there still with their bachelor groups sparring, but the big mature whitetails will kind of be out by themselves right now. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. So we were just looking at each other when you said velvet, you know, the velvet stage. Um, now, the only difference in that and fingernails, obviously, you don't shed your <laughs> fingernails every year because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that would that would sting. Right. Uh, but um, as, as they, you trim them, as yeah. they uh, as they grow back, they have like a velvet coating over them. And then obviously they rub that off uh, this time of year. They're coming out of velvet right now in Wisconsin. Is this about the right timing for that? Yep. Yep. It's uh, the last two or three weeks. Uh, we, we about the last two weeks. I really started seeing, a, you know, deer starting to shed their velvet actually there there's still a few out there that still have it but it that's it's very few this time of year so sean you hunt in missouri and oklahoma is this pretty much i mean wisconsin's pretty far north of us so their seasons start a little earlier than ours are our hunting seasons about the same here as they are up there in my opinion, we lag just a little bit because of just the the seasonality it's yeah. colder up there the colder temperatures uh, have a lot to do with triggering yeah. a lot of what Travis is talking earlier, about. And and yeah. As you move south, that uh, that tends to follow, uh, much like crop production and and everything else. It's just, it's a cycle. Is that accurate, Travis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching social media, there's different states starting to open this weekend, October 1st. There's Kansas is coming up here. I believe that's next week, if I'm not mistaken. I really ha- I haven't checked on that, but they ha- they start out with Kansas starts out with a early muzzleloader and a bow season as their first go around, and that's in late September also. So I mean that's kind of a warm state that uh, kicks in before October, but a lot of them per se is right at the end of October when 
like our duck season starts, waterfall is the 3rd of October. That kicks in. We've just went through a week of early teal season and goose season up here that tomorrow the teal season ends, the early teal season, and then you won't be able to hunt ducks until October 3rd again in southern Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin opens the week before. So you really got to look at regulations when you're looking to go hunt another state or even in certain states, because even certain states have a northern and southern zone. I know Missouri does for their waterfall season. I think they actually have three zones. And basically that has to do a lot with on the duck side, the migration. Yeah, makes sense. Interesting. So don't be don't be out there. Uh, just check the, the your local regulations and <laughs> don't just try to shoot all the deer on our property. We have a lot of deer here on our property in Kansas City. Um, Those are city slickers. I know they like it here because we can't shoot them legally. I think. Oh we yeah, talk, that, I mean we can hit them with cars all day long, but we can't shoot them. <laughs> you talked a little bit about about shedding the velvet out there, but let's talk about antler sheds when yeah. the antlers actually fall off or they get knocked off when they actually detach from the deer. And I know shed hunting that, uh, you know, during different times of the year, that's that's very popular sport. What is the seasonality of the antlers actually falling off, Travis? Oh, uh, and, th- and that has to deal a lot with, you kind of mentioned before, Wisconsin is, you know, a little colder. As a rule of thumb, January, February, early March, is when they start falling off. I've seen them fall off and people shoot a deer in late December, go to grab the antlers and they fall right off. I mean, that could be due to, you know, cold stress, you know, if the deer got, you know, hit by a car. I mean, there's a lot of variables that that deer could shed early, but typically, you know, January, February, March is the the typical shedding times. March and April are the big, uh, what we call shed hunting season, where hunters go out and uh, locate and find the shed antlers from these deer. And that that helps a lot with scouting for next year, where these deer are bedding, where they're feeding. It just putting that all together with trail cam pictures, uh, what deer did last year throughout the summer when they broke out of their velvet stage into their what they call hard horn stage and uh, even though they're not horns but that's you know what we kind of typically you know use as an acronym on that end of it and then when they start shedding we you put all those pieces together and you can really key in on how a deer is using a particular property and year after year what this deer is going to do if you're you know hunting for trophy whitetail and uh really going after the antler size and growing big deer you can pattern these things if you take all those things into effect throughout the whole year Um, so so if you're watching them close enough they become somewhat predictable yeah, yeah. sounds like a lot of homework, though. I'll tell you what, we're, we're getting to the point where at about the 20-minute mark. Let's slip away. Let's hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a few more minutes with more on hunting with Mr. Travis Homlock. 
Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. That's hilarious, Trina. Thank you. You're welcome. While we were on break, we were talking about timber stand improvement. And here's the interesting thing about bow hunting. The uh, the art of the the stealth, you got to be in stealth mode out there, Travis, right? So one of the things that is prevalent, as we were just discussing on break, you don't want to disturb the deer at this point in that whole life cycle out there, the, the evolution of watching them for a year in food plots, and you're trying to do last minute improvements, but also you're getting down too close to hunting season to really start disrupting their their travel patterns and things. Talk a little bit about some of the last minute touches that you're doing on, uh, on your hunting spots. Well, um, you know, throughout the summer, if, if you didn't get to a, your hunting property, maybe you've had a, you know, stand that you've had set up for years. One of the, you know, biggest things is make sure the stand itself is safe, that, <laughs> Uh, you trying to climb the, up a rotted stand is that what you, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what he's saying yeah. um you know and a lot of them are you know some people you know use ratchet straps which i use ratchet straps on a lot of my hang-ons and ladder stands and things like that those have to be checked periodically even when you're hunting to make sure that you know a mouse hasn't or a squirrel hasn't chewed through it mm-hmm. over the winter and summer with mother nature taking its toll on it you don't want to get up there and hop on the you know platform and uh down you go 15 20 feet <laughs> that never really ends well so that is one key thing that uh, we do throughout the summer and this time of year making sure that you have shooting lanes cleared out because over the summer foliage grows and other trees start getting bigger and now what wasn't in your shooting lane last year now your shooting lane's completely blocked 
and the times, all the effort you do to your property, whether you're leasing, you know, own, or just hunting with a, you know, a friend at their property, you take a lot of time with getting prepped and, you know, practicing and doing all that. You want to make sure when that deer, you know, shows up that you've been watching all year, just because you didn't go out and clear your shooting lanes or do something very simple ruins a hunt. Those are the things that we're kind of doing now, re-changing trail cameras uh, from summer locations to fall locations and more of uh, zoning in on the, the deer core area and where they are. That, that's a lot of the preparation we're doing right now. On timber stand improvements, uh, a lot of that stuff, I mean, a lot of people hinge cut. And with hinge cutting, you know, you cut through the tree, but you don't cut all the way through the tree. You only cut through a portion of it. So the tree falls over and still growing per se. And the leaves are green. If it's got acorns or any other type of fruit on it, uh, it'll hold there, but also offer bedding areas for these deer sense. to, you know, basically creates a shelter for them. So Travis, let me let me ask you a question about that. Um, I can visualize it and I know what hinge cutting is. What is the optimum height off the ground to affect that cut on the tree where it's actually going to break over? I mean, is that four feet off the ground, seven feet off the ground? What's, what's an appropriate yeah. distance? Uh, you know, four to five feet is kind of what I've had good luck with. And sometimes, a tr- you know, the diameter of a tree is got a lot to do with it what the canopy of the tree is and just how many you're cutting down you don't want to cut it too low because then you don't have that kind of void in there where a deer can crawl underneath in there i mean if you're cutting it you know a foot off the ground you're defeating the purpose so you know four to five feet is you know a a very good height to cut those and the the other thing is with timber stand improvements logging is a a great thing but you got to watch out for logging like right now we got a um a big portion of our timber being logged and we had to wait till august 1st to start harvesting it because we want to eliminate as much oak wilt which is a disease on the oak trees cutting those during the summer, you're just going to promote the oak wilt disease to spread more. So you want to do that in the winter or fall. We use the scenario after August 1st and before April 1st to cut oak trees to minimize the oak wilt so you don't lose your whole forest and open up that tree canopy. So like the hinge cutting, you're creating a bedding area but opening up the canopy, you get the sunlight in there, sunlight management that now is growing the undergrowth and giving you the same type of bedding as like a hinge cutting wood. It's thick, it's uh, something where they want to go into. Uh, And when we do this strategically every two to three years in different areas of our farm to have that undergrowth and it's a healthy thing for your forest with the regeneration of uh, oaks and whatever you're trying to accomplish with the regeneration. On our farm, it's, we're trying to 
regenerate more oak trees than anything. So if you've got two periods of time where it's optimal to go in and do forestry harvest, you're doing select cuts maybe. Yep. Would the latter half or the first of the year before August, would that not be more of an optimal time to do that other than before April? Because yep. once you wait until August, you're you're right up against the opening of your hunting season and you know, mm-hmm. logging timber is that's that's typically pretty major uh, disturbance in in the forest out there. It's a huge disturbance on not just deer, on wildlife in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, squirrels and turkeys, uh, turkeys lose, you know, potential roosting trees, uh, squirrels lose and raccoons lose their, you know, some hollowed out tree or whatever that they've been living in. But it's we run into some situations and, you know, when you're you got really rolling or steep terrain, it's hard to do that with the amount of snow we get in the winter. Yeah. So August and September is the best time to do it. So you basically lose a good year of hunting if you have uh-huh. a smaller track. So you're just forfeiting the hunting season that season. It- Correct. And you have to wait till the next season for the patterns to start again. But if you've got multiple tracks out there, maybe you can you can do kind of a round yeah, robin. And yep. yeah, you can alternate and say, well, we're probably not going to hunt this area this year because we're doing this this disturbance. We're cleaning yep. it up, but we're going to hunt our other two or three areas. Absolutely. And, that, and that's kind of what we geared into this year. Um, and that's why we do smaller tracks here and there. The UFOs are here. Just <laughs> take yeah. us away. Travis, did you just get ran over by an airplane? <laughs> no, that Mack truck almost hit me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You're still working out of a tent out on the sidewalk, aren't you? Uh, I'm underneath a bridge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Me, me and the trolls. So, oh, Lord. We got to look at when you're going to do some tim- some major timber and Im- you know improvement and uh, opening up that canopy. There's never a great time to do it. Um, you just yeah. got to run with the punches, and uh, you know we're, we're sacrificing a lot this year, but we've had a good run because we had we've only had a couple days of really bad rain and so it hasn't tore up the roads and washed the roads out um like other times that we've harvested uh in our ridge in our, on our ridge properties tell your friends you get your information on the sale ring podcast show Travis, do you hunt outside of Wisconsin or are you mostly a Wisconsin hunter or um no I do Every year, uh, I go to Missouri for their alternative firearm season uh, after Christmas uh, for whitetail. We were going to go to New Mexico this year, but it's just we're going to go out there antelope hunting, and the ranch actually gave us a pass till next year because we probably could have got by with it. But you know, the the governor of New Mexico put in a two week or 14 day quarantine for out of staters coming in and we really had a hotel and you know, it's just, so you basically have to sit there for 14 days. If you enter, you said New Mexico. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, we could have snuck in with campers and things like that, but you know, <laughs> there was a lot of things that were kind of uh, leading us to go a different direction and wait till next year because we didn't want to go out there and, 
you know, harvest some antelope and then put it on social media or have people find out about it and say, well, you shouldn't have done this. And, you know, we're in business, so we don't really, we've been very conscious this year of any, our involvement with uh, things that would, uh, you know, with COVID and things like that, been keeping an eye on it. And, you know, I would have loved to go into Canada this year. We were looking at Canada and uh, that all got shut down. But uh, we get some other, uh, we had some people come from out of state to go turkey hunting this year. And uh, I mean, that that went all right. We stayed at our, you know, our house and everything. And, uh, you know, we had a couple different groups come through and, you know, they got, te- you know, kind of tested and everything before they came up. I mean, it was, this COVID thing has kind of been yeah. good yeah. and bad yeah. in the hunting industry bad that you know a lot of people have canceled trips and outfitters and people that rely on that stuff and also the trade shows that us as land agents go to market properties uh outfitters come people that sell product those were shut down but all in all the outdoor industry not just hunting is up this year because people are out yeah. I tried to buy a kayak a month ago and it took two months yeah. to find one. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's so, crazy. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's been good and bad. I mean, the, the hunting industry is up as a whole. I mean, land sales, I mean, as you two know, I mean, hunting land sales is actually crazy, mm-hmm. you know, throughout this whole COVID and pandemic and riots and everything in the, I'm sorry, uh, peaceful protests that we've been having in the, <laughs> throughout the United States, but not being able to go outside the country for people that uh, have always planned on it. I mean, there's, there's people that go every year duck hunting that I know to Canada. Yeah. They're finding alternative places to go, whether that be North Dakota or get a hunting lease uh, around Wisconsin. Now it's, they've changed their plans this year so whether those plans will change in the future we don't know i mean we've had to move some stuff around that we had and going to be going to texas here with a group Uh, i'm not going to be hunting but my nephew is going to be elk hunting down there and uh so i'm going to go down there with him get this experience i mean uh, just the experience involved with him shooting his first elk at the age of 14 will be amazing in my opinion. Yeah. And then just other people getting into the hunting industry because they don't have anything else to do. They don't have anything else to do. And, uh, um, and it's just been intriguing. The, the, the turkey season in Wisconsin here, and I, it, there were a lot more people turkey hunting than in years past. Yeah, that's interesting. So you would think that there's only so many licenses given every year, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with everybody doing more turkey season, are there just fewer licenses to go around? Some people are, just can't go? Well, I mean, in, in Wisconsin, there's there's the first few. We have six different seasons. Oh. Um, you can always usually pick them up for the later seasons. But, of course, the turkeys are much more educated when it comes to later seasons. So, and in other States, you know, you just get two or one and that's all you're going to get. And the deer kind of the same way. It's, you know, I don't know what people have potentially a lot more time to deer hunt this year 
And, you know, if, if they take out the first weekend, it's going to be a long, boring season. Yeah. Because they you just can't keep on getting tags. Travis, do you see the state regulations changing much with, um, you know, COVID-19? I know you've talked a lot about, um, obviously, New Mexico, but the outfitters have been affected. Trade shows have been affected. What about uh, just policy and procedure? Licensing, have they tightened up uh, on licenses? Are they offering more permits and licenses than in years past? I mean, how is that how has that changed amidst what we're facing right now? Not that I see. One thing that I see that, um, you know, most of the states that offer hunting licenses throughout the United States are kind of a telecheck versus back in the day you had to go register it at your local gas station or hunting store. If that was not in place prior to COVID, I think they would have kicked that in a lot quicker and made it mandatory for this telecheck stuff. So you didn't have to go to an, you know, an, an office and register a yeah, place in person. Register. Yeah. Now that, that in my opinion, I, I don't necessarily love the telecheck thing because there's just so much more that could people could get away with and also it takes away from showing off your prize that you know that people drove around and stopped at the you know the tavern and the gas station to register their deer everybody came out and you told the story now (laughs) you harvest it take it to the processor or process it yourself and uh, post the picture on facebook and that's 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 the the, so no more big fish stories yeah, it's, it's just kind of taken away from that stuff. But, you know, it's the, the world we're living in now, and uh, it's all right. I mean, it's it's been okay. I, I don't think they've changed a lot with opening up more permits or anything like that. Always great insight with Travis Homley. We're going to slip away here from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. 
Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. So Travis, you have been telling us all about your hunting expertise here. You've mentioned antelope and turkey and elk and duck and deer and bear. What's your favorite thing to hunt? And give us a little sample of your favorite hunting call while you're at it. My hunting call? Yeah. What do you got? Um, (laughs) He said, let us hear your war cry. Yeah, let us hear your elk cry. (laughs) Or antelope. I've never heard an antelope. I'm still... (laughs) You're learning. No, I, I, I still love whitetail. I mean... All that others is I love to do it, but it comes down to my passion of whitetail hunting. Uh, there's just something about that animal that uh, is just gets the blood boiling every year and, you know, has it, it makes people kind of go a little crazy uh, during the, the year. It's, uh, have you got your grunt? You got a grunt call in the office with you right now? I, I don't have one sitting around in the office. You don't have a, like a bleat? No, no. It's, uh, those are all stuffed away in, uh, my, uh, hunting backpack right. right now. Better luck next Cut time, Trina. Guard. I know. Sorry, Trina. It's, okay. uh, I mean, I could probably find something on the internet quick. To, <laughs> it's all right. You don't have to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to Google grunt call. I don't know what would <laughs> <laughs> be a whole yeah. different kind of bear hunting going on you, in that video <laughs> i can tell you from experience don't google that <laughs> oh, Lordy. that's crazy hey did you guys hear about um papillon the escape artist bear no so we were talking papillon, Earth, papillon. that's a kind of dog yeah it's also a type <laughs> of bear it, what's his real name the the bears commonly known officially known as m49 but he but he was a uh, he, he's a captured bear he's uh, in a i'm not even for sure where he's at uh casteller wildlife park but he was gone for 42 days he escaped uh was just he's probably out, out looking for bruno roaming around she was probably out looking for bruno looking is what for happened bruno. bear on the loose 42 days um had lost about 88 pounds during, is this a black bear or a brown bear? Brown bear. Okay. During his time on the loose, not a female. Mm. And uh, it is Well, maybe he's still custody. looking for Bruno. We don't know this. I got to tell you one better than that. I was looking okay. through news this morning. Have you seen uh, the video of the Nebraska man that wants to change the term boneless chicken wings? He wants that banned because it is not a wing. It's not a part of the wing. Of the chicken. I absolutely saw this. He held up an entire uh, city council meeting with it, and he wants them renamed to just uh, chicken tenders because that's exactly what they are. He's not wrong in his endeavor, but it's amazing uh, the platform he decided to use to to go after this. Did you hear about that, Travis? No, I haven't. But what's happening to us? What's not happening to us? What is happening to people? So in, what days are they going to have? I mean, is it not going to be Wing Wednesday anymore, or what do we? It'll uh, be Tinder Tinder Tuesday Thursday Tinder Tuesday Thursday Yeah, Tinder Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, we can still have wings, but they can't be boneless anymore because they really are just chicken tenders. He's not wrong. 
But again, the platform he shows is a whole different scenario. Don't get that confused with Tinder, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy, Uh, crazy world out there, folks. It is. It is. But we're happy that hunting season is kind of here. If you would ask my wife, hunting season never is gone because she says you're always doing something for hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with her. It's there, there is a lot of preparation throughout the whole year that goes into hunting. So it's, it is a year long thing. Cause you have, especially if you own land, uh, there's always something to do, you know, a big windstorm comes through, you're cutting trees, you know, so access, cutting roads because uh, they're always grow up with weeds and grass but that's they say for the love of the land right mm-hmm. well travis we appreciate all of the insight and we appreciate yeah. the time that we got to spend with you today on the podcast show if uh people want to reach out to you how do they find you i can be reached uh at uh travis at homilyauctions.com or uh 608 Six nine seven three three four nine, or you can go to our website, uh, MidwestLifestyleProperties.com. And you've got your other company, UC Hunting Properties. Yep. That uh, that's a great looking. I was just checking that out before the show. It's a great looking website. And uh, you know that that's based on most of uh, the listings on there are twenty plus acres of strictly hunting leases, hunting listings or hunting business type listings that are out there. We do have auctions on there. So it's, uh, it's, it's in throughout the United States, there's multiple States on there. So usually keep quite a good inventory of listings on there throughout the nation. Very good. Well, Trina, that's, uh, that's our time for this show. I appreciate uh, Travis being on and we look forward to seeing you all next time inside the sale ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.